Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, three people trying to figure out how three people would murder three other people and nobody get caught. It's Sift Pop. That was probably uncomfortable. I probably shouldn't have admitted that right in the intro. I probably shouldn't have, you know, put that out there that we're trying to murder people. That's that was uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what we were doing today. It's a Strangers on the Train reference. It is a Strangers on the Train reference, which now I understand what it means because I've watched that movie. <laughs> that would be like a Chris crisscross Chris or a cross Chris. Cross. We'll make you jump, jump. Crisscross. There you uh, go. Very nice. Very nice. That was not so right. funny. Welcome to Sif Pop. Danae, do the welcome this time. Okay. Welcome to Sif Pop. We are on episode number 37 today. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Our wow. little baby pop culture podcast is growing it's up. growing up. Getting so big. And today we're going to be doing two movie reviews. We're going to be starting off. Uh, actually, we'll start off like we do all of our episodes with a section of Do We Care, where we go over three pop culture news and we ask the question do we care if you're joining us live in the chat you can vote on whether or not we care or not streaming live on mixler every friday at noon in case you want to check it out uh that's noon central you can also download it later in your podcast feed unless of course you're a patron because patrons get perks patrons get those perks every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies television and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds and today's guru from cinema sins it's our good buddy jeremy scott what's up jeremy how are you (laughs) We've been trying to do this for a while. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You're a busy man. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> when was the last time that the three of us reviewed a movie together? Was that in 2012 when we first started doing uh, Shoe the Dough? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. it was. We talked about, I know we talked I can't about the movie, though. Uh, Brave was one of the movies we talked about, Pixar's Brave. Um, Maybe yeah. that was the last one. It could be. It could have been the last one we did together. Well, I'm excited to talk to you again, Jeremy. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you too. And uh, yeah, that we were doing, we even did Breaking Bad, didn't we, Aaron? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's still up on my YouTube channel. The Breaking Bad series, Jeremy and I did. Uh, I think I think I called it Breaking Down Bad. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. Clever. That's yeah. clever. Yeah, that was all before this YouTube stuff. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Tell us about the YouTube stuff. Tell us a little bit about Cinema Sins and kind of how that blew up for you. And I mean, you don't have to go into super detail, but you know, what's your life like, man? Oh, it's just uh, completely different than it was three years ago, but largely the same. Um, yeah, we were just goofing around trying to make channels that had to do with movies and comedy, because mm-hmm. Chris and I are both big movie fans. We met and working as managers at a movie theater and would watch Thursday night movies before they opened the next day and do our mystery science theater thing. And <clears throat> I guess, you know, after a few failures, we just landed on this thing that somehow connected where we... We just went all the way negative. <laughs> Play the role of this nitpicking jerk um, who thinks he knows everything about movies. And uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, when we hit 90,000 subscribers, we were freaking out. We yeah. thought, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh-huh. And no way did we ever think it would grow and continue to grow the way it has. Are you up but, over 5 million now? Yeah, we just passed 5.5 like a couple days ago. Wow. So That's incredible, that's man. That's I remember nuts. I remember we were recording something. Mm-hmm. You and I were recording something on YouTube, Jeremy, and I said, "Have you seen this <laughs> this this everything wrong with video that's going around?" What was the first one that blew up for you that Kevin Smith tweeted about? Oh, uh, well, he tweeted the channel, but the first video blew up. It was Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, it was Spider I think it was Spider-Man. Have you seen this Spider-Man video and you were like, "Yeah, I did that." I was like, "That <laughs> was like, dude. That was that's you." Me. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it kills mind. me. And, and then, then you know, watching it after that, I was like, of course it's him. It, it's not like you changed your voice for it or anything. It just, it would not connect in my brain. You know, why would I put you in that, you know, right. place? Right. Uh, and it's just that I just remember, I remember that vividly going, that's you? It's been kind of cool because since you guys have known each other, you know, even before uh, you guys went to college at the same time and have kind of remained friends, I've been watching Aaron uh, get excited about, Jeremy, your success and what's been happening on your end. And he'll like be like, this is happening and da 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 da. And he'll get excited and be like, I'm just so proud of my friend. So, Uh yeah. Yeah, you're busy, but it's been really fun. We've been rooting you on. And oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it's been cool to see, and I, I'm excited for your book. You've got a book out that's pretty amazing. Uh, thank I'm ex- you. I'm excited to see if you know that might be a movie someday. <gasps> you know, like all that kind of fun stuff that that you've got going on in your life is is kind of cool and to keep up with. Thank you for letting me star in that movie. <laughs> I mean, you're just putting you're really risking a lot since I have no experience, but I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'll find a I'll find a role for you somewhere in the background. <laughs> there you go. There I go. All I ask is for an executive producer credit. That's all I ask for. <laughs> I need a couple want... uh, cafeteria workers at the school. <laughs> yes. you know, there you go. I actually have experience doing that, so oh, I can excellent. actually so draw I. from my own experience nice. when it comes to the cafeteria nice. scene. Well, we are excited to get to uh, talking pop culture with you and those kind of things. Uh, you know, we uh, we've been trying to get you on. In the main hiccup, it seems to have been. And correct me if I'm wrong is that you just don't have time to see movies when they come out. And so, you know, reviewing a movie becomes a little interesting. Is that is that pretty much the case? It's really kind of twofold. Now, that's the biggest issue, is yeah. that time-wise, you know, I know I'm going to see, you know, Allegiant at some point, because right. I'm going to have to make a Sins video about it. And right. so it becomes, what's the best use of the two, next two hours of my life? Should I go watch this movie I'm going to watch again later? Or should I work? Uh, right. I, right. And uh, and the, the other issue is just that for whatever reason, the movie theater, I guess it makes perfect sense, actually. Uh, it's a single most frequently like that's where I get recognized the most. Um, yeah. And sometimes like when I saw Deadpool and the people sitting right next to me have recognized me, it, it completely alters the experience of watching the I film. Bet. And uh, and I don't want to do that to the movie, right? Like I don't, I, I absolutely don't mind getting recognized if you like the videos and you see me and you want to tell me that's awesome. But you know, I want to give the movie the Jeremy experience, especially if it's one that I really, you know, personally want to see and not just something that people are going to be talking about. So in my imagination, the Jeremy experience is you come in with this like oversized clipboard with all these just blank boxes <laughs> on it, and you have a huge sharpie, and all you're doing is just check, check, check. No, There's see, no words on it at all. That's the sin guy. <laughs> experience the Jeremy experience just wants to enjoy the film so (laughs) what that's weird and that's something I don't think a lot of people know about you or would assume about you if they just watch the cinema sins video they probably they probably um put those two people together you know they think that 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 is you that you're always ragging on stuff or whatever but sure I knew you as a movie lover like you know we used to have great conversations about amazing movies and things we love in movies and you know our conversations were much more cinema wins than cinema sins you know I see what you did there oh for sure and I think I think most of the fans, you know, there's a certain 20% of, you know, any internet audience that just will never understand sarcasm. But I think, you know, a lot of the fans that have been with us from the beginning, they, they know we love movies. And this this is just a, an expression of comedy. And, and definitely, you know, we, 
we put hints in there in the in the main video, and then especially with those audio bits we do at the end. To mm-hmm. you know, if you love movies, see, I don't think you can watch too many of those little outtake sections and not realize, oh, these guys love movies. Yeah, I I have this experience all the time. In fact, I had it just with Allegiant uh, last night, where I think, oh, that's going at the end of the sins video in comparing with this movie. Like, I just can promise you right now, you might as well just make a note of it. You're gonna do something with uh, Wizard of Oz, Glinda the Good Witch. I'm just saying, there's a there's a piece at the end that'll fit right with with Allegiance. So okay, I don't, don't want to know. I don't want to give anything away. But <laughs> now, now you've planted that in my subconscious. <laughs> People and, float in uh, bubbles. You know. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, we are going to talk about Allegiant, but because uh, Jeremy hasn't seen it, he'll just kind of be in the conversation, uh, like Danae is when she hasn't seen a movie, and we have that that's conversation. That's right. That's right. But what Jeremy's agreed to do, and, and why I brought it up, is uh, Jeremy's going to be a part of Danae Finally Sees, which I think is the perfect way for you to come on the show. Because this is an opportunity to see a movie that's already been out a long time, so you have access to it, you know, and you can watch it at your convenience, and then we can kind of chat about it. So I'm excited to talk Strangers on a Train in a little bit as well. I am too. But first, let's start with a little bit of Do We Care? All right. Danae's got some pop culture headlines, and Jeremy and I, as well as if you're listening live in the chat, can say if we care enough to talk more about it. Domino's will use robots to deliver pizzas in New Zealand. (laughs) Do We Care? Oh, <laughs> how is this pop culture? I don't know. I just like robots. I Domino's think you're robots is the somehow. KFC of pizza. Like they're shameless now. <laughs> I mean, can we just say the robots are part of pop culture? Okay, fine. Okay, that's, I'll give that's you. the There's, end. They're robots. Also, um, Aaron giving me full rights to doing this segment has yeah. resulted in me not bringing up pop culture almost every time. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really care. I mean, I'd be curious to know how that works, but did you did you see? Um, uh, Flight of the Navigator. Of course. Okay, you remember the machine that like delivers the food inside the thing? That's just. I think that's why I care about this. Is because <laughs> I'm like I, and Sarah Jessica Parker was the cool chick that had the crazy you know 80s uh-huh. hair and and she was delivering all of the food that was coming out of that machine. That's how you escaped. I I think that would be kind of a fun thing. Like yeah, here's your pizza, but then you get in the machine and go on a ride. That's I, what I would do. I uh, I have to say, mm-hmm. I I may not you know care about the robots but i suddenly care very much how you know so much about flight of the navigator it's one of those movies i overwatched when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) she was like remember that scene with the food being delivered and i was like no i do not no i remember a spaceship wasn't there a spaceship in that movie oh that's really funny that maybe another conversation uh sony buys michael jackson's stake in music catalog for 750 million dollars do we care 750 million why does that seem low to me I guess I do care a little bit. Michael Jackson's steak or Michael Jackson's... Estate. Oh, estate. Oh, well, I... steak in music catalog. Yeah, it's his music catalog. So so they own Michael Jackson's music now yeah, for est- $750 million. Yes. That seems low to me. The estate has agreed to sell the remaining steak at a lucrative music catalog. Oh, it's a steak. I thought one of the Beatles owned it. Yeah, I, I thought Paul McCartney owned his music. But it says remaining, so I'm wondering if it's like oh, the remaining it's not 100%. music. Okay, that. Well, do you know the percentage? Can you find the percentage? I would care about that. There is that. no pie chart. Okay. <laughs> there is no pie chart, though. Do you so, need Sarah Jessica Parker to deliver you the pie chart I from would, a fancy machine? And I would immediately be more interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue on. Uh, let's see. Beetlejuice 2. Do we care? Is coming out. I bet Jeremy cares. <laughs> Beetlejuice I two care, is really but happening in a negative way. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just I'm just I'm tired of all this. We oh, don't the need to redo everything from 20 years ago, and it's just 
it's pathetic at this point. I don't, not, the movies might end up being good, but the, we're driving we're driving away screenwriters with original ideas by just going back to the properties we already own. It was one of the things I thought right at the beginning of Strangers on the Train when it's when it says you know the novel that it's based on or that kind of thing, and I just thought, man, you know, it, back then that's what you did. You found original properties that mm-hmm. had never been put on the screen before, and you found a way to tell the story cinematically. You know, and now. You know, what percentage of the movies we go to do you think are based on already existing visual cinematic properties? Well, it's It's just like the menu at McDonald's. If you add the word Mick onto anything, (laughs) it doesn't matter if it's good or not. It has Mick on it. I don't know. It was a stretch, but I went there. Because the robot one wasn't very pop culture, Uh I do have one more. PlayStation VR bundle includes a camera and controllers for 500 bucks. That's interesting. I saw that this morning. So I didn't know if we cared about the VR bundle, virtual reality bundle. I all of a sudden care a lot about VR because I experienced it for the first time uh, the other day. And in my brain, I'm still thinking like, you know, virtual boy. And it's so immersive. I just, I wasn't expecting how immersive it really was. To I, Mine was, I put on the Samsung VR headset uh, that, that a friend has and played just a simple game where you launch things at glass. And it was the most immersive gaming experience I've ever had. It was so incredibly wow. fun. Wow. Well, have I have a PS4, you? and I'm super interested in it. I, I, I want to experience what he just talked about. <laughs> yeah, I think I do, too. Absolutely. Um, and then there was also, like, these other environments. One was going to Cirque du Soleil. But it was only, like, a three-minute sort of experience where they just had created, like, a three-minute movie type thing that you go in, and you can experience that environment and... What's the, amazing the game is, one was more sustainable. Like you're you're playing the game until the game ends. Right. Whereas, yeah. I would have kept playing that game. But what's interesting about those those virtual reality experiences, like you mentioned, the Cirque du Soleil, which I did. Right. I also did a MythBusters one. Right. Uh, where they were waiting on a um, like an explosion to happen yeah. or something like that. And what's amazing about those is you don't realize how um, what's the word I'm compelling it is to be in control of where you're looking when something's going on. Because we are forced perspective in everything we watch, pop culture, television, movies, doesn't matter. Forced perspective. When you have the freedom to look around in your environment, it's it's so intoxicating. I I spent most of that time in the Mythbusters one just looking at their workspace, like looking up at the ceiling and seeing, you know, like the cool props and looking around to the shelves. And it's just it's kind of it's an experience and that's just standing in you know like one scene like can you imagine being in like a, a video game a, where you're running around and or something that, battling people or even a movie like a movie that's entertaining you where it may force your geographical place but your perspective is up to you think about this like um i'm a big fan of altman's films especially his earlier ones but you imagine a, a filmmaker like that who loved background conversations and yes. background action and imagine him filming like a 360 movie where you can look at whatever you want there's going to be something interesting there and you know mm-hmm. there may be different stories told oh i just i would really love to see something like that eventually the person that uh was letting us use his vr headset his mm-hmm. name is sean he was explaining to me, Aaron, while you were uh, in your virtual reality world, mm-hmm. how they piece the whole environment together and that they're still trying to develop what it would take to record a 360 environment. Mm-hmm. So right now they're they're having to kind of like piece it all together in the back end and stitch the back end of it together. So 
you'll kind of all you were example for I example, noticed it you, you can tell saw, where the camera is because yeah, you can see the base of the camera and it just kind of fades into oblivion you because know? the camera can't record itself exactly so it can't be there and right. that's where they stitch the image together to make it 360 so that yep. was really interesting and there there's a lot of development there so I think that that whole entire environment is going to get really interesting as time goes on yeah I, I'm excited. So, yeah, I, I absolutely care about whoever's putting their fingers in, in VR. I think it's, you know, Oculus is, is pretty amazing. But Samsung seems to have a really interesting idea using the phone because it's something people already are invested in buying. And so then it's just this other, and they're giving it away. Like yeah. they're giving it away with the new S7. Yeah, so, if you get an S7, you get a you get the headset too. Mm-hmm. Um, you noticed a couple of issues with that right away. I know we're not doing a VR review right now, but one of them was that the phone can overheat really easily and then it shuts down. Yeah, it did for me. But Sean, I had it shut down a couple times. he said it doesn't normally do that for him it's at all. It's just my so. hot head. It's yeah. just, you know, I just give off a lot of heat. Guys, I'm hot. I mean, really, when it comes down to it. <laughs> well, there's I'm also the hot. Google Cardboard, which I've actually got sitting on my counter. I haven't opened it yet. It just came yesterday. But so the phone that I have, the Android phone, will slide into this little cardboard thing with a lens. And yep. apparently there's some VR stuff that Google's got in there that I can do too. So yeah, and Google that. Google Cardboard is, you know, what, like 20 bucks online or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's and, super cheap, yeah. And then you just send it to you, fold it up. And does it have like a list of phones that it works with? Or is it yeah. just the... So it's just kind yeah. of the specific like Nexus phones, probably that kind of stuff? No, I mean, I went to the... Uh, the cardboard site before I ordered it, and uh, there were like maybe twenty phones listed there, and mm. mine was on the list. So oh, nice, cool. well, very cool. Are you ready to get going on our next adventure here on Sif Pop? Yeah, let's do to, it. Ready to talk a little uh, divergent? Here's, I'm ready. Here's clip. When I first found out I was divergent, I never thought it would come to this. I could never imagine that I'd be standing here. It's time to go beyond the wall. Yes, it's time to go beyond the the wall. wall. (laughs) And discover a whole new world of more words and people and... Unfortunately, what's beyond the wall is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Can we stay within the wall? (laughs) This is the third. This is the third Divergent movie. uh, And at the end of the second one... Jeremy, have you seen either the first two? Have you seen them or anything I like that? I have seen both of the first two. Okay. They bleed together, and they bleed together with Maze Runner. So just <laughs> So at the end of the second one, uh, Triss, who is our main character, uh, played by Shailene Woodley, I believe, is found herself as the key to unlocking the wall. You know, she passed these tests, and because she is 100% divergent or whatever that means, the wall has opened up and now people can go beyond the wall because some sort of experiment has resulted in her being the key. Uh, you know, turns out it's a little more complicated than that. In fact, it's a lot more complicated than that. Way too complicated for its own good. Uh, and we find ourselves finding out what's going on beyond the wall, also staying in touch with what's going on still inside the wall, and also in touch with what's beyond what's beyond, beyond the wall. The wall. So, okay, yeah. yeah. So we're yeah. trying to figure out, you know, all the different things that are going on. We like to start with a liked it, loved it, it was okay, disliked it, hated it. Danae. Hated it. <laughs> uh, I disliked it. Yeah, I I'm I don't I'm, know that I hated I'm it. I'm tripping over the line between hated it and disliked it. It's really bad. I'm on the wall about it. <laughs> nice, nicely done. <laughs> uh, it's really bad. Like it's it was, like it, was it hard takes to watch. a lot of effort to watch. That's not the movie going experience you want. Like, no, and I have a question for you and maybe this 
this is just maybe something that you guys would know better than I. Um, I don't watch trailers and I don't normally watch television to see any kind of commercials. You, for the big movies, you'll see commercials like pop up every once in a while, even yeah. like on Hulu or any of the streaming stuff that I do. Yeah, we try to be pretty zero tolerance with seeing you know marketing material before going to movies. But when I told my husband that we were going to go see the movie, he was like, "Oh, I want to go because he's seen the first two and he thought they were okay." Mm-hmm. Um, and but he didn't believe me that we were going to go see it because he had seen zero, like not even one piece of like propaganda for it. Interesting. Do you think it was that they there. did that on purpose, or do you think he just missed it? I think he just missed it. Okay. I, they were marketing it. I, I always go back and watch the trailers. I shouldn't say always. I often go back and watch the trailers after the movie. And I watched uh, the Divergent trailer today, uh, and it gives way too much away. In it, but you know what it also does? It makes it look like an amazing movie. Yeah, <laughs> it looks incredible. I'm like, I want to see that movie. Yeah, that looked fun. So why did you dislike it? What was one of the? For, for I know several reasons why I didn't enjoy the movie. Um, and we can kind of talk a little bit more about that. Where. As you know, we don't do spoilers for for this. So, for those of you who are going to go see it, we're not going to be spoiling this episode or this uh, movie for you. We do a spoiler episode that will be in your podcast feed for later, though, if you like. So, here are just a few things that I didn't like about it. Um, there's way too much talking. It's very talk heavy. Uh, there's so many times I rolled my eyes in this movie. One of the key <laughs> things I'll just mention this right off the bat is third party chatter. You know how movies will have like people in the audience that, that they need to say things, you know, so you understand the feel of the crowd or what's going on. There is this mob scene where some of the things these people are shouting are absolutely ridiculous. And you can tell they have, you know, it's like, that some, yeah! you can tell it's somebody in a sound studio. Get him! Yeah, you can tell it's somebody in a sound <laughs> studio and they just potted it up over the crowd noise. You know, it's just like. It's it's really bad. I I don't I don't think this is a spoiler, so I'm just going to say my favorite one as uh as they're in this mob scene somebody's like, "Let's kill some more of them." And I'm just like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. It, something that I really disliked about this movie is it, it everything seemed bigger than the action of the plot. The music was this big, epic mm-hmm. music. And yeah. and some of the scenes, it's like even the scene you talk about, like this mob scene, the screen time that they're giving it and the intensity that they're trying to build with, you know, zooming in on someone's face and then backing up and then zooming in and backing up. It all is telling you that it's supposed to be this big movie and that kind of continues to the entire rest of the film. But what's happening in front of us is not interesting. It's predictable and it's really, really boring and it's eye rolling. And it's just like, what am I doing with my time here? And I was disappointed because I thought, okay, how are they going to develop this story? And at the third movie or the third book, uh, as was mentioned in the chat, mentioned in the chat was that the third book wasn't the greatest either. So Uh it's like, okay, whatever material they're pulling from they either they should have done something either different than the books to make it more interesting, um, because it's it's a very difficult to watch. How did you feel? Are there about- more of them? I hope not. Oh, I'm sure. But I don't know. I'm sure they'll make another one. Isn't, I, isn't this a part know. one of two for the last? It didn't book? say part one. Oh, that's good. It didn't. That's good. And I, I was hope. looking for that. There's hope. But the way that the movie ends would indicate that there's more to come. Yes, I yes, would say that. Would. How did you feel about the acting? Um. <sighs> How do you feel about acting when you're I feel just like, staring at each other a lot? Well, that's what um, I'm saying. I feel like a lot of the issues come down to story development and character development. So they're not given a lot to do. But I even felt like the acting was a little bit melodramatic at times. Like the the uh, Jeff Daniels, who I usually love, 
was I just I didn't buy him in this. So Jeff Daniels is uh, basically like our main sort of. Con- how would you describe him? You don't know whether he's a bad guy or a good guy. He's like the president he's of like, what's over the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they when they go to this like next place, he's sort of the guy in charge. And we don't know in the movie, you're not supposed to know, whether he's a good guy, a bad guy. And you don't know the people that's working with him are good or bad. So we're, we're back into that confusing place that we were kind of in the first movie. It's like the first movie was all confusing. The second movie, we kind of know what was happening. And then the third movie, they've confused us all over again. And I don't like getting messed with. <laughs> and I don't like getting messed with when the acting is bad, too. Um, I wasn't impressed with the acting. I wasn't impressed with Jeff Daniels. I wasn't impressed with Tris or Four or any of the other people that were there. It just seemed like they took a lot of the great intensity of this idea of having this culture. And then they just, like, I don't even know. It's got way too spread out. I also feel like uh, there was a lot of silliness with the technology. Like, it was, you know... It was either technology that was so advanced that it didn't make any sense how it could mm-hmm. be possible. Yeah. And then they'd explain it away with with lines like, our surveillance technology is so much more advanced than yours. That's the only explanation <laughs> we're getting. Okay? That's, yeah. that's all they're going to tell us. Basically, astral projection <laughs> yeah. is what they created. Yeah, that's the other thing about this movie that was interesting and annoying is that they went into way more sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that we were in an advanced society sci-fi type film from the other ones. That's obvious. But this one takes it to the whole new level. And so you have to like go into suspension of, of disbelief or whatever mm-hmm. so many times in so many different ways. And also you're not buying into the relationships anymore. Right. So you're not buying into the land. You're not buying into the story. You're not buying into the tech. And you're not buying into the relationships and the acting is starting to fall apart. So then you're just kind of going, <laughs> man, I really wish I would have got popcorn. <laughs> You know? So what's good? Anything you liked? No. That's funny because I'm the one that was leaning more towards hated and I can't find one thing that I like. I like this universe. Yeah, I like this place. Like I want it to be interesting. Like yeah. I think there's something interesting about the overall foundation of this world that they could have built a better story within. Um, and I like sci-fi. So I like having my brain, you know, thinking about those things. But you you have to give me or the sci-fi lover something more to chew on than just, oh, look at this cool toy. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So um, I wanted it to work because I, I, I like that place. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of the main things I liked about the first two, too, is I, I like this idea of these factions and, you know, the message of, you know, what does it mean to be, you know, separated by where your, your talents are and mm-hmm. labeled by where your talents are and that kind of stuff. And then to break that mm-hmm. norm. That's still here a little bit, but, but so it's little. it's so under the so surface. Little. Yeah. They, yeah. Get, they get lost in trying to convolute this plot, I think, overall. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I enjoyed much. I really did try a couple of times. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to really try, and I didn't like it. It's a pretty bad sign when you have to try. Yeah. I was trying. I... I agree with you. I did like kind of going back into the world. And I did think some of the um some of the shots are really beautiful. Some of the landscapes that yes. they kind of come up with um in this new one because we're going beyond the wall were interesting to look at. Um but somehow they did a really bad job of explaining what was happening and mm-hmm. they kind of try to go into everything all at once in this movie and so you just don't get to sit inside of a really good juicy piece of storyline. You ready to do one more thing before we move on? Yeah, my one more thing is um, I was really annoyed with the camera work. Almost the entire movie I was distracted. So at the very beginning or towards the very beginning of this movie, there's an exchange between Evelyn, which is the mother character, and Four, his, her, her son. 
Um, and they're part of this, you know, kind of the revolution or this new world happening in Chicago. Um, and the, the camera is just shaking. So much shaking. And it was really distracting. And I thought, mm. what is, what's the purpose of doing shaky cam? Is it because they're trying to do like a on the ground feeling like we're part of this revolution? Probably. But it never appears anywhere else. So there's such an inconsistency in how each scene is shot. Mm. So I was distracted almost the entire rest of the movie because it was so shaky. It annoyed. I was. I rarely noticed that stuff. Yeah. And it was so shaky. I was very um, distracted. My one more thing is Miles Teller. Uh, I'm a Miles Teller fan, and I I liked. That's uh, Peter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked. Mm, let's just say three out of every four of his wisecracks in this movie. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, three of them would work and I'd be like, you know, that's funny. That's clever. And one of them would be like, no, I'm not going he for that one. He was probably the best, but, right? Yeah. I, that's what I think. Yeah. I, but I really like him in that snarky character. I think he, yeah. he really fits well in that. Um, I didn't like his character development where they were trying to go with his character. Uh, he's he's always if you know the first two, he's always been on the fence. You know, who's he working for? Is he a good, guy? Is he is he good guy? guy? Is he bad guy? And I think at the end of the day, he's a Peter guy. He's, you know, for himself. Right. And where this movie took that was a little off-putting to me. But, um, but you know, it's, again, a minor thing in a, in a movie with a lot of major things wrong with it. So, If you decide to go see the movie, let us know your thoughts. And, of course, if you want to be spoiled on the movie, you can check out the spoiler cast. I do have some more things to say in the spoiler cast. I have a lot to say in the yeah, spoiler cast. Yeah, there's some specific technology I want to talk about in the spoiler cast. Jeremy, did you have any questions about the movie that maybe we yeah, could answer thoughts? here? No, well... <laughs> I'm good. I, got, I have this movie is. I have no interest in this movie. I feel bad so. for you, but I'm also excited because I want you to send this movie so bad. <laughs> We're gonna have to. I'm but, really looking um, forward to it. it it's gonna good. make it easy for you, I think. <laughs> I mean, it, believe me, I would have enjoyed it better if you guys had praised it and said it was awesome because it makes you know it makes writing uh, the eventual sins video easier when the movie is good. Ah, that's interesting. <clears throat> when it's bad, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, it becomes offensive at a, after a while. After you, you watch are, you know, so many times, you're going to be the world's busiest dentist on this one. Yeah. If it's like pulling teeth on bad so movies, much teeth. it is. There's there's a lot of bad stuff. Yay. So <laughs> so much teeth. I do have a question for our spoiler too that involves uh, acid rain. So we'll get to that. <laughs> Good to know. Is that like chocolate rain? The same. I don't, I don't right. know. I wasn't quite sure. It's uncomfortable. All right, Danae, why don't you thank our patreons? You may not know this, but this podcast exists because our fans make it possible for us to do this show. So thank you so much to those of you who support us on Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. We have these milestones, you see, and you've helped us launch three podcasts so far. And we have other milestones in the future, including adding video, adding a third person, and you make it possible for us to hit those goals. So thank you guys so much for giving your buck a month, two bucks a month, three bucks a month. Or 1,000 million a month. <laughs> there's anyone out there wanting to give a lot of money, go ahead and go. Is that what go. it goes? 1,000 million? Yeah. Oh, that's, nice. that's how it goes. Was it, was it, was it last episode you said something was 2.5,000? Yes. <laughs> Although I was hoping that you'd forget that. But thanks for bringing it back up. <laughs> 2.5,000, guys. 2.5,000. Seriously, thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us to know that you would send a couple bucks our way every month is really humbling. And uh, we could not do this without you. Well, there you go. Now it's on to uh, one of our favorite segments. Only the second time we've ever done it, but I love doing this. If you don't know, 
it might be, seem a little weird to you that my co-host, who co-hosts a movie pop culture podcast every single Friday, actually dislikes movies. That would be me. <laughs> that would be me. So she hasn't seen a lot of the classics, so you vote on some of the classics. Classics or any, really. I mean, anything before this last year, That's I true. really haven't seen, unless it was Lord of the Rings, that I loved it. Okay. <laughs> So you vote on which classic movie you'd like Danae to see, and then she sees it, and we chat about it. So we've all taken a look at your vote, which this time was Strangers on a Train. Let's say that, that you'd like to get rid of your wife. It's a morbid thought. No, 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 no. Just suppose. Let's say that you had a very good reason. No, let's, let's, no, no, let's, let's say. Now you'd be afraid to kill her. You know why? You'd get caught. And what would trip you up? The motive. Ah, now here's my idea. I'm afraid I haven't got time to listen, Bruce. Listen, it's so simple, too. Two fellows meet accidentally, like you and me. No connection between them at all. Never saw each other before. Each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So, they swap murders. Swap murders? <laughs> each fellow does the other fellow's murder. Then there's nothing to connect them. Each one has murdered a total stranger. Like, you do my murder, I do yours. We're coming into my station. For example, your wife, my father, crisscross. There you go, crisscross. Strangers on a Train. Alfred Hitchcock, 1951. Now, Hitchcock's one of my favorite, well, that's not true. Hitchcock is my favorite director of all time. Uh, he was a master of using new types of visual you know, shots to increase suspense, different things like that. Uh, so I guess my first question is probably for the both of you, what's your experience with Hitchcock in general before we talk about this specific movie? Jeremy, why don't you go first? Um, I think, now that you said that, I need to check. I think I've seen probably two-thirds of his movies. This happens to be one that I had not seen yet, so I watched it last night. Um, <clears throat> but the ones that I've seen, I, I tend to go back to over and over again, like... Um, the Birds, or especially Rear Window, North by Northwest, um, <clears throat> Vertigo, that kind of thing. Um, actually, no, I haven't seen two-thirds of his movies. Good grief, he directed a million movies. <laughs> <laughs> Danae, what about you? I think this is my first and only. Only Hitchcock movie? I don't think I've seen so any. So you never saw Psycho or The no, Birds? Uh -uh. or Okay. No, those I are mean, the ones I think that I've, a lot of people have seen. I think seen. you've seen, you know, like clips mm -hmm. that are referenced. Sure. Just sure that I've have. kind of seen randomly here or there. Um, but I've never sat down to watch uh, uh, one of his movies all the way through. At least not that I know of. I'm, I'm claiming this is my first and only so far. When I was growing up, my mom introduced me to Alfred Hitchcock. I think he was one of her favorites as well. And I remember just devouring his catalog. Like just, you know finding the next one to watch because it was like nothing I'd, I'd really seen before. You know, it wasn't like the... Because you were raised in a very tiny Christian bubble. Well, and... that tr that's true as well. You know, uh, we, we would you watch videos. You went from videos. Disney to Hitchcock. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> very similar. Uh, so I, I just fell in love with him, his style. I remember we would be watching his movies and we would always do this thing where we would yell out, Hitchcock shot. Like whenever we would see a visual that was different or unique, <laughs> we'd, you know, you know, point at the screen and say Hitchcock shot, you know, only Hitchcock <laughs> would do that, you know, kind of thing. Interesting. And it's interesting now, too, be because you see so much of it in the visual landscape of cinema that other directors do now. Um, Orson Welles was the same way. He had a lot of inventive stuff he did with, you know, camera angles and those kind of things that now just kind of seem... Uh, you know, second nature as as people use them. One thing oh, I that push in through the window in 
um, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Where the camera goes through the window. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I ever saw that, I was I was an adult by that point. I did, you know, 25 or something. But it blew my mind because even by today's standards, I would be going, how did they do that? Yeah, yeah. That's Citizen Kane is another great one to, to kind of look at for, for examples of stuff like that. Um, but I just, I just remember falling in love with him and, you know, watching these movies. So, you know, my perspective is, is of a fan, you know, somebody who, who loved it from the beginning. Uh, and so I'm really interested to hear, you know, you guys watching it for the first time now. I mean, when I watched it, it was already 30 years after it was made, but now, I mean, it was made what, 70 years ago almost? Yeah. Yeah. First thing that I noticed is it's black and white. (laughs) Yes. That was my first thought. It starts to play. I was like, oh, this is a black and white movie. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I was like, oh, duh. Right. Hitchcock. Right. Of course. (laughs) Before there was color, there was black and white. Hitchcock directed silent (laughs) films. Then he, you know, directed, you know, black and white and then color and even 3D. He even did 3D with Dial in for Murder. So I do like watching movies that were made in different eras. And you can I like to see what, what's happening in culture. And mm-hmm. in this movie what was really interesting for me. And I know that we've got kind of a format we're going to. But I just want to say no, one, of the, one of the good. things that was really interesting for me is to go back in time and see how, you know, women and men interacted or how crimes were solved. You know, there's just so much that is very different now that this movie seems like like ridiculous in a lot of ways, uh-huh. but then stands the test of time and others. So I'm kind of interested to dive into that. Yeah, well, let's... even just the idea that you would you know get on a train for hours at a time, and right. that's the most luxurious way to travel, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. There's there's no better way to travel. He even talks at one point about riding on a jet plane. You know, he's talking about all yeah. those experiences that nobody's had. You know, he's like, Bruno, yeah, yeah I rode on a jet plane. You know, Bruno, by the way, is the bad guy in this movie, and he is crazy. Danae, why don't you give us the Danae, you know, quick quick rundown of this film? Let us do that, shall Mm -hmm. we? Yes. So in this movie, what we learn is that you can just meet an insane person and your life can get wrecked and you can't do anything (laughs) about it. That's what we learn in this movie. (laughs) That's That's a fair summary. That's a fair summary. Anyone can be crazy. And when you engage in conversation with one of them and they start talking about fantasizing about murder, just call the police. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah. just right off the bat, right off the bat. I actually wrote this in my notes. Hang on, I want to tell you exactly what I wrote. He should have been... Far more concerned, right? <laughs> I wrote, tennis dude really screws up in this movie. From the first train ride, he should have been at the police station spilling his guts about this weirdo suggesting a double murder. Right! <laughs> I feel like I should have the ding sound effect ready, you know? Ding! Well, yeah. I did sort of write my notes in that fashion, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. No, but it's true. And then there's this other part, you know, kind of in the middle of this movie where... Uh, Bruno, the bad guy, has he kind of inserts his himself into uh, Guy, the tennis player's life. These two guys meet randomly on a train. One is mm-hmm. Bruno, one is Guy. Guy is this sort of like a, a up and coming athlete, aka tennis player, because mm-hmm. an athlete in the fifties was a tennis player. It's <laughs> so funny. And then um, he tells. By the way, if you're suggesting tennis players aren't athletic, you probably need no, to watch I mean, a little like, tennis. I mean, like the ones that are in the society section. <laughs> right. No, I get it. I you get know it. what I'm saying? Like famous athletes. Yeah. It's still, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. Back then it was tennis, boxing, yeah, horse racing, right. like horse racing jockeys. were Very you know, club minded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the high up and ups yeah. of society. Golfers. Yeah. yeah. Those kind of things. Yeah. And so um, Brutus is just like, he's talking about all these crazy ideas. Bruno. He, Bruno, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Bruno is talking about all these crazy ideas that he has and all this stuff. And he ends up talking about this double murder which you heard here kind of in the audio that we just played and guy doesn't really want anything to do with him he but thinks he's just like he just thinks he's silly crazy he yeah, doesn't realize he's like, like dangerous crazy right and then but bruno is dangerous crazy um he does a series of things and at one point he kind of even shows up 
he keeps inserting himself into this guy's life mm-hmm. and uh, at one point in time ends up like at this to-do party and he is just nuts. Like, <laughs> why do you not call the police? This guy just it was choking this. Anyway, this lady, you're at a, well, a, he dead feels a party. Like he feels like he states, anyway. he states a few times why he doesn't call the police. And I think it's a fairly decent yeah. reason. Is Maybe if you're in the nobody, 50s. Nobody will believe him, you know. Which apparently is true. Well, he did, but he didn't know that there was. And by the way, we're not as worried about spoiling this. No. I mean, it was almost seventy years ago, so you do have a good chance to to see it. But he didn't realize that there was an eyewitness that could put Bruno guy. at the scene. Yeah, yeah guy didn't realize that. Tennis so, player. So you know, it's just kind of his word against you know the other guy, and and you know he's worried about that. I don't think what I expected was I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that Bruno was going to go ahead and proceed with murdering Guy's wife. I didn't expect that. Yeah. I kind of thought that Guy was, based on my assumptions of what this movie was going to be about and the plot would be about, I, I thought that they would both like cons- co-conspire to kill each other's person and then trade murderers or whatever. But what happens in this movie is Bruno is just flat nuts, goes and murders Guy's wife, and then wants Guy to murder his dad and, and just keeps kind of like hassling him to, to kind of get it to come about. Yeah. And the movie is is very interestingly done um, in, in multiple ways, but like the whole like build into the last scene and how it all kind of resolves itself is just, it's, it's interesting to watch how uh, they decided to develop this plot because it's not at all how you would do it CSI style these days, you know? <laughs> right. So uh, this is in my my top 10 favorite Hitchcock movies for sure. Uh, did you guys like it? We haven't really talked about that. What did you guys think about the movie overall, Jeremy? Um, I liked it. It's I don't think it's the kind of movie that I'm going to go back to very often. Um, it, it didn't. It didn't draw me in the way those other Hitchcock ones I've seen many times has. Uh, but you can see his mastery all over this movie. The the shot in the mirror when he's choking her and then the, the POV shot with the punch to the face. And there are just so many awesome moments where you're like, God, nobody was doing this kind of filmmaking. Right. Um, I was more... I guess I watched it more like a film student would than um, just like a movie watcher. And, and I think that's uh, understandable. I, I mean, because it is it is part of the archives and you can't help but notice how movies have changed, you know, in that there are some sure. things about it that, that maybe don't stand the test of time. Um, but, you know, creative filmmaking, I think, often does. And so it's it's kind of good to notice that. Is this the earliest Hitchcock you've seen, do you think? Uh, let me double check. Um, because the ones you mentioned were all in the 60s. Yeah, it might be. Um, I did think the black and white actually worked to the movie's advantage. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Right from the opening shot with the with the two different two-tone shoes. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Walking into the station. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially at the carnival, I was struck by, man, if they made this movie today, it almost should make it in black and white. Because he definitely took advantage of that. Yeah, and, um, he, and you can even see that in his decision-making with making Psycho in black and white. You know, after color, he'd already made several color movies to go back to black and white with Psycho because... He knew he could do certain things with, you know, those textures and those tones, even though color okay, was available. I've seen um, Lifeboat that ah, came earlier. Yes. Um, and I feel much the same way about that. Yeah. And uh, I saw The Man Who Knew Too Much, but it was a really long time ago. I was a teenager. The second um, one with Jimmy Stewart? Or the first one? The, the one in 34, I think. Well, the one in 34 is... Uh, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, the, the 56 one, one is the one I saw. Yeah, yeah. That, that one came later. What about you, Danae? Did you like it? Yeah, I think I liked it. I think I liked it for what it was. It's something like you go and you appreciate art. And this was definitely that for me. I was interested to find, like, I 
it was mentioned in the in the chat uh brought up one of the scenes was um when uh, everyone in, in tennis match where everybody is in the audience head is moving back and forth right. watching a tennis match That's a classic except for mm-hmm. Bruno who is stalking mm-hmm. guy at this point in time and, and, and continuing to insert himself in his life this is actually after he's murdered mm-hmm. uh, guy's wife um, and he's not he's just staring at him and there are certain things that no matter what are just straight creepy yeah and there are several moments when I'm like this is genuinely like this dude's creepy crazy man yeah and even though there's a really strange relationship between people in the 50s there's this really weird thing that goes on i'm going to reference the same um moment when bruno goes to this like debutante kind of party where mm-hmm. the ladies are wearing diamonds and there's judges and all this stuff and bruno is just creepily talking about his obsession with murder and these ladies are just like <laughs> oh i suppose if i did want to kill someone i would do it by bashing him with a hammer and then pouring gasoline on him and then pushing him off of a cliff after i lit the fire and he's like oh but then you'd have to walk home oh <laughs> i suppose i could poison him then and i'm like who does this who like, who talks like this at a party like you would nowadays if there was a guy that came up to you and was like have you ever thought about murdering someone with crazy eyes you'd be like oh you need to be escorted out you know it's just a different environment yeah what's interesting is i think that's probably fairly realistic because crime stories were a part of conversation in that time you know the the i guess you know crime stories still are but in a way that people would talk about and maybe maybe that's just because of my seeing hitchcock movies but that's in a lot of his movies the obsession with murder the obsession with murder is in a lot of his just normal people talking about how they would murder you know, how they would get away with it because it's like that Sherlock Holmes thing. You know, right. how do you trick Sherlock Holmes? How would you not get caught? You know, so I, I you know, I don't know if that's just because I've seen Hitchcock movies or if well, people again, actually had those conversations. Some of it is could totally be like be part of today's culture and mm-hmm. be in a today kind of movie. And then yeah. other parts of it are just ridiculous. And I'll give another example. And then I'm curious to hear from Jeremy some more. But one other example is um, after Guy's wife is murdered. Uh, he is instructed by his girlfriend and the senator and their, the other girl, Becky, right, to go about life as normal because you don't want to seem suspicious. That would not fly today. <laughs> if somebody's wife was just murdered and you go out and play tennis like nothing happened, you're going to be under a, a lot more investigation <laughs> because you're not showing remorse, right? right so yeah. it's just the culture of the 50s is so different. I can think of like 10 other examples, but I, I want to hear more from what Jeremy thinks. Yeah, what are some of your other thoughts, Jeremy? Well, I'm, uh, you're the Hitchcock guy, so I need you to tell me sure. if there's any symbolism to Bruno's tie having lobsters all over it. <gasps> yes, I noticed that. I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. That's and who funny. has a tie clip with their name? And that is, it plays a key role later when yeah. he's mm-hmm. like recognized. But the, the lobsters, I really struggled with like... It seems so overtly weird that I feel like Hitchcock had to have a reason. I think his reason was that Bruno was meant to be very flamboyant, you know, very just a very, uh, you know, do as he wants kind of queer. character. Very queer man. Yes, that would be the word. Yes, that would absolutely be the word they would use. Uh, so, you know, the the pinstripe suit, the wingtip shoes, the you know, the he whole ensemble. He seemed to be ensemble. wealthy, right? Yeah. Well, or just eccentric. You know, mm-hmm. that there's an eccentricity to him. Uh, there could be some subtle 
you know, mine things with, you know, how you cook a lobster and, you know, boil it hmm. over time in water and, you know, those kind of things. I mean, because I feel like he's the kind of filmmaker, I wouldn't put it past him think, overthinking something or right. thinking something through that much. But I just felt like, hey, grab the wackiest tie you can find. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't hear these lobsters going, what is going on? Or, you know, being in the lobster's pinchers, you know, there's just, you know you know, being caught in something and not being able to get out of it. I, you know, there could be a lot of things that he was thinking psychologically. I don't know that I've ever read an interview where he talked about the lobsters on Bruno's ties and strangers on a train, but that would be fascinating. And it's, and so it's glad very you fascinating. It. You both noticed it. Yeah. I wrote it down in my notes. Um, oh, I thought for Bruno, you mentioned his creepiness, the scene that stood out to me watching this time. And I've seen this, this is probably the fifth time I've seen this movie. The scene this time that stood out to me was when he was prowling, to commit the murder oh, at yeah. the at the at that the was park. so creepy because yeah the just murder the, is committed he kills guy's wife at a carnival and yeah. he you know just the the beauty of the step by step of how he follows her gauges her and even pulls her in mm -hmm. so that she's not scared to be next to him yep. uh is just was fascinating to me this time the you know the hitting the bell when the boys that were with her couldn't, you know, yeah. and the way he the way we, he foreshadows strangling her, you know, when he's gripping the, you know, the mallet to hit the the bell, you know, all that kind of stuff is it's just it's just masterful. And I just I hadn't noticed it in the same way that that whole prowling scene. That's that tension building mm -hmm. that works. Um, I spent a long time trying to get over the fact that he was not George Reeves from the old Superman show yeah, because he, he looked so look much like him. Like him. Didn't he? <laughs> That's who it you, was. I was like, this guy looks so familiar. I actually, the first few notes I wrote were calling him George Reeves because I was so sure it was him. And then I went and looked it up. And of course, it's not. And I was like, well, it almost only adds to his creepiness, though. I also found it interesting that so they get uh, when the like the love tunnel, you know, you go through the, like the little love tunnel they mm -hmm. have at carnivals that you actually got to m man your own boat. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. I was like, whoa, we used to be able to man our own boats. Like, nobody would allow that anymore. They wouldn't give teenagers oars. <laughs> uh, one of my one of my favorite shots uh, during that happens in the love tunnel where his shadow overtakes their shadow. Yeah, uh, just stuff like that. And she and, screams. Yeah, yeah. It's it's mm -hmm. just it's really because you think about that in the staging of that and how you would have to get that shot in, and yet it just seems so fluid in the movie is just kind of part of what's going on. Um, <laughs> They also do a good job, uh, I think, in the writing of it because there's certain subtleties where, uh, from Bruno's perspective, this crazy murderer's perspective, he is in cahoots with Guy. And you really believe that this guy is just nuts enough to really assume that they Guy was in on it, too. And he says something. I wrote this down. Uh, he's After he kills the wife, who, by the way, is pregnant, that's another level of really just Yeah, I didn't creepiness. really talk about that, yeah. No, they, they, they bring it up kind of lightly, and yeah. then you... And then they kind of like hint at it again in the carnival scene, but it's never brought up after she dies. Mm -hmm. So it's just that was disturbing on another level. Um, but he says our plan that we planned together and he kept saying like we did this together mm -hmm. and it's just so creepy. Like he's in the shadows like guy, mm -hmm. guy, come <laughs> over and talk to me. Well, right from the very beginning, he's like, you understand what I'm talking about, guy. Yeah. We're on the same page, right? That's what I was saying. Like, and guy's like, sure, sure, Bruno, sure. sure yeah, yeah. Never say sure. Just say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lesson. Uh, I did make a note of phrases that were different. Okay, go for it. How do you do? <laughs> don't say we that don't anymore. say that anymore. <laughs> okay. The society section of the paper. Yes. We don't have that anymore. Skip it uh, was said, which is like, leave it alone. Uh -huh. Like, And it was it was aggressive. Like, I, I, like so, I would say like, drop it. Not about an event. No, just but drop about it. about a thought. Yeah, Instead so, of drop it, they said skip it. Bruno was say, like pushing on something uh -huh. and, and Guy was like, skip it. Like, 
you need to drop it now, which I thought was kind of fun. I like that. Savage mm-hmm. was used to That's describe word, angry. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're being so savage right now. Mm-hmm. Like, someone's just like, Danae, you're being crazy. <laughs> um, when a cubie doll, don't we wish that those were still things we cared about? <laughs> and uh, boiled. Somebody was boiled, meaning that they were drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really oh, like hearing those references, too. I wrote it those probably down. comes from the same thought as, like, sauced. Yeah. You know, like that, that kind of idea. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I also thought uh, the whole scene, and I'm kind of curious what you guys felt about this as movie makers and things. Um, towards the end of this movie, the idea is that Bruno is going to race back to the scene of the crime and he's going to plant evidence that will for sure prove that Guy actually killed his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this kind of like intense lead up to this moment right okay so you've got guy who's trying to win a tennis match as fast as possible so he can get to the carnival before the sun sets mm-hmm. um and then you've got uh bruno who is making his way to the carnival to try to plan it and there's like all these like drawn out sort of parts mm-hmm. and it feels like he's really trying to build tension and maybe the tension really worked in the 50s um, for someone like intensely playing tennis mm-hmm. and then Bruno who like, drops his evidence and things like that. What was there like a lot of symbolism for you in those moments? I was, I was kind of missing out a little bit. I felt like the most intense I felt was when Bruno dropped the evidence down the grate, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, Oh, that's unexpected. I didn't expect that to happen. I don't think it, I, I didn't see a lot of symbolism there. I think it was just tension, tension building, tension building. And I, it's one of the reasons I was so glad. And I mentioned this to you last week that we did 10 Cloverfield Lane last week, which is so influenced by Hitchcock. And then you're watching your first Hitchcock movie, yeah. you know, this week. Uh, because that's Tin Cloverfield Lane doesn't exist in the way it does if Hitchcock doesn't mess around with tension like like he does in this movie, you know. Uh, and it's it's just it, it's interesting to think he's called the master of suspense because nobody else knew how to do that with to their visuals it. to build it that way. And people have studied him to learn how to you know put tension in their movies and make the audience on the edge of their seat and you know like you know cutaways to very specific you know hands reaching for something and holding gun you know close-ups of guns and just those kind of things that uh you know really kind of stood out when he was making them then so i thought it was you know tension i wrote as far as the climactic scene goes my first note was this tennis match goes on forever right <laughs> right so and then the, the next note is about the stunt tennis performers who look nothing like the actor <laughs> um and how yeah. like Hitchcock like he cares so much about the tiny little detail over here, but uh, uh stunt performers I don't care. They, they can look like a completely different dude. Uh, my notes involved uh, the old man that stops the merry-go-round. Let's talk about I, that. Okay, so I love Hitchcock's sense of humor too. He loves to even in like this. You know, this is the resolution of the movie. All this tension. And they're like, how are we going to stop it? And this old man steps up. He's like, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I know. I know. (laughs) We have have this convergence of um, guy who gets to the carnival. Bruno, who's already at the carnival, who has been recognized by somebody who works the love uh, tunnel. You've got the detectives and the police all converging on site to prove that guy is, you know. And so you've got kind of everybody coming around. What happens unexpectedly is a police officer tries to shoot Guy and ends up shooting the guy who is um, running the merry-go-round. The yeah. merry-go-round, and it goes to ludicrous speed. And this is pretty intense 
special effects, I should say, for 1951, I, too. Like I thought the, so, too. The wrecking of the carousel and all that was pretty cool. It is going yeah. so fast that at one point in time, Guy is gripping onto like, one of the poles and his feet are dangling off the edge, like centrifugal he's playing, force. He's playing that thing where your dad would swing you around. Yeah. You know, he's like the daughter and the dad. He's just like swinging him around. And the humor you're talking about is that you've got this intense fight scene between Guy and Bruno and this crazy out of control carousel. And then they go to the old man underneath, just slowly <laughs> crawling to try to stop it. Well, and I love that the policeman's like, stop, you don't want to do that. And the other policeman's like, do you want to do it? He's like, no, no I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and the old man's like wiping his brow. We're just like, come on, get to the gears and slow it down. My other favorite part about that scene is the mom that's like, oh. My boy, and you pan to the boy, and he's like having a blast. Yes. He's got the biggest grin on his face. It's yes. like the best day ever. Yeah, I loved that. It was also good that they uh, built up Bruno, like kind of attacking the boy. The boy starts to join the fight. He starts to like yeah. punch them too, which I didn't expect. And Bruno kind of pops him, and you know, you see Guy's character because he goes to save the boy, yeah, and, uh, and that kind of a thing. And then, then the ride stops, and they do a little special effects of the whole thing kind of falling apart. Yeah, I I have to say overall it doesn't age perfectly, but I still love this movie, and I just it's it's another it's again one of my favorite Hitchcock's because it's a great example of his cleverness with the camera, his cleverness with tension, and uh, I'm really glad that you guys got a chance to see it. How did you think yeah, they too. were going to resolve it, Jeremy? Did you did it resolve the way you thought with the whole reveal of like who was telling the truth? Did you see that coming? Um. Only because like two weeks ago when Aaron told me we were going to watch this movie, I read a synopsis of the plot. Oh, so you Sorry. knew. That's okay. <laughs> I knew I was only going to be able to watch it once, and I didn't right. want to miss too much. Um, that makes sense. I wanted to be able to discuss. So I read everything that was going to happen on like Wikipedia or something two weeks ago. So it didn't really surprise me, but it probably would have if I hadn't done that. The, the way that they resolve it is it's kind of Bruno's word against Guy's word about who murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. And sure. they're all, after the carousel collapses, Bruno is caught up in the um, the debris and he's not doing well. He's dying. Yeah. He's and on his way out. So Guy is a, a, about to be arrested by the police officers, except for the person that runs the, you know, is at the uh, carnivals. Like, that's not the person that I saw. It was the other guy. So they're like, oh, and they all kind of go and there's Bruno dying and he refuses to tell the truth. He continues to keep up this Mm -hmm. facade that they were in on it together and that he couldn't help Guy. And so Guy's solution is, well, check his pockets because he was going to plant evidence. Mm -hmm. So check his pockets. And the police officer's like, we can't do that. Besides, he said he didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what? This is terrible police work. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) This is awful. And then Bruno dies. And I think the audience is going to be like. Oh no, the truth died with him. And then slowly his hand uncurls, and there in his hand, in his palm, the shiny cigarette case or lighter or whatever it is. Yeah. I have to say, I, I would love to go back in time and experience a movie like this with the contemporary audience. You know, how much oh, yeah. their mind was blown by <laughs> Me this too. stuff. You know, because it's hard to eliminate our years of seeing movies ape this kind of stuff and copy this kind of stuff. Uh, but man, I, I just to go watch Hitchcock movies when they were popular would be, I think, really, really I mean, interesting. In the movies, did you watch somebody being murdered who was pregnant? That's really disturbing. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. also disturbing for me is that if someone's going to choke me out, I still have legs and feet and I'm going to fight. I'm not just going to, you know, look like I'm hugging the person. Yeah, you know, but like that wouldn't look as good in the reflection death. of her glasses. So. No, which was a great shot. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned shot. that one, Jeremy. That was a really cool use of camera work. Oh, yeah. Um, 
fabulous there. stuff. So there's a lot of things I would be curious about. Like, is that because the relationship between men and women then was that women were just so docile and they didn't really yeah. know their I mean, power? I, is that why? Be, I don't know. Yeah. But how do people feel watching that? You know. Well, I think Hitchcock so. tries to set her up as so very unlikable that yeah, you know, that she, he does that that it's not that the audience is. But you're right, she's pregnant. Like that's that has never struck me as how like, it was disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's you know technically would probably be a double homicide in most mm-hmm. states. So that's you know, yep. it's it's just a really interesting interesting spin on it that I hadn't really thought of. It's a disturbing movie for sure. Yeah, it's a really disturbing movie, but it's done in this really 50 style. So it's kind of like you're not as like freaked out by it because yeah. we're watching it in 2016. And Hitchcock's, but... Hitchcock's mommy issues come to the forefront a couple of times. He has those in a lot of movies, but like when he's getting his manicure from his mom and they're having oh, that conversation. Yeah. And it's oh, just she's like, weird. Yeah. 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 Bruno's Hitch- mom. Hitchcock had a lot of mom mom issues. Do you know what I appreciated <laughs> about that, though? I appreciated that he spent a little bit of time showing us how Bruno got to be a little bit nuts. Yeah. Yeah, you for know? sure. Because there's just enough of a hint mm-hmm. at why he's eccentric and, you know, wackadoo. I mean, yeah. his mother paints a portrait at one point in time. Jeremy, how would you describe that portrait? <laughs> um, Ugly. It was like demonic Van Gogh. Yeah, you know? I mean, it was. It was. I was surprised when they finally showed it me to too. me. I was like, oh, what the <laughs> heck is that? His reaction is perfect to that too where he's like oh that's him you got the old man yeah or whatever like, before they show it i was actually painting francis of assisi or whatever she oh, says oh man that was so weird that was so weird all right well i think all of us would recommend it especially if you're a film lover and you want to check out something and kind of see you know uh, the archive of how film got to where it was i think it's probably a good one to check out I would agree with that. I would agree, especially, too, if you wanted to look at a little bit of the piece of history, you know, even so much as the the trains had African-Americans serving the people, you know, just Mm. that whole life that was happening in the United Mm -hmm. States at the time. It's just it's a really interesting look at um, uh, at that culture. So I would definitely recommend it. Jeremy, my wife will do do this thing where she'll watch a movie because of the time period and she just wants to you know, soak herself in the culture for a little bit because yeah. it's different than ours. And it's, this would be a great movie for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, on to the end of the show, which Aww. involves our buried treasure. Each of us would let you know one thing we think you should check out in the area of pop culture. Could be anything. Uh, Jeremy, you got one to go first? Oh, I do, I do. I'm, I've talked about this before in, on other platforms, but um, it's a YouTube channel, and they mostly make animated 60-second versions of movies. You've probably seen them before. They're black and white and little uh, stick figure guys with uh, no actual dialogue. It's all almost like, like kind of like a cross between The Sims and a chipmunk or something. Like a gibberish kind of thing? Yeah, and it condenses the movie down uh, with this really whimsical animation and audio track. They're all about a minute, a minute and a half long. And they're amazing, but they only have like 89,000 subscribers. And it's like criminal that they don't have more. Um, It's family friendly uh, for movie lovers. It'll make you laugh. Uh, And the channel's called 1A4 Studio. That's the number one, the letter A, the number four, and then the word studio. And I would encourage you, if you like movies and pop culture and fun little short bites of comedy, to go check them out because they're awesome. Very cool. Uh, my buried treasure is the second season of Better Call Saul. Uh, if you mm. aren't on board yet, get on board. Uh, surprisingly to me, it's actually even better than the first. I am loving this show. Me too. Me too. This is the same experience I had with Fargo. This the season first season was so amazing, 
I thought the second season would be a letdown, and in both cases, they've managed to somehow top themselves. I know. It's, it's, I feel the same way about Fargo, too. Yeah, I, I have just the... I knew, I knew they were good together. Uh, specifically, I mean... Oh, why am I forgetting names? Um, but Saul and his brother... Um, I'm forgetting the actors' names. Anyhow, I knew they were good together, but their chemistry in this is like a whole nother level. Where they're taking this story, I'm just on board. I just want to know what happens to this man and how he becomes, you know, the lawyer that we see in Breaking Bad. And I'm loving the Mike stuff. I'm just, I'm loving everything about this second season. What I like about it is that, I mean, it's called Better Call Saul, but this show's not afraid to just five episodes into the season go, you know what, we're going to dedicate a whole episode to Kim, or we're going to dedicate a whole episode to Mike, and just kind of letting this world um, be soaked in. And I I love the way they're going about it. Yeah, it's great stuff. Danae, what about you? Um, Before I give my thing, I wanted to mention that uh, the BDG in the chat looked it up and said, in the movie Strangers on a Train, Hitchcock actually designed the lobster tie so that Bruno Bruno wears... So it would resemble a pair of hands formatting, formatted in such a way, not unlike a pair of hands that would be capable of strangling someone. There you go. So that's something. So thank you for looking that up while we chatted about that um, and, and getting that information to us. Uh, I think I have to have my confession here, uh, which is that I did watch the entire first season of Fuller House. <laughs> I did. Um, I didn't, Certainly you're not recommending it. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I got sucked oh, in totally unexpected. It is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen, but for some reason, I cannot let go of Stephanie and DJ Tanner and Kimmy Gibbler. I don't know if it's because they're a part of my youth and I just like seeing them. Like all of the horrible plot, all of the horrible conversation doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's DJ Tanner and it's <laughs> Stephanie. And there's oh something goodness. really weird about that. And I have to, I have is to it figure like, it out. Is it but, like when you're in a dream? And you're trying to run away and you can't move, you know, like something awful is happening and it's like you're, you're paralyzed in that dream kind of way where you know you should be able to move, but you can't. Is that what the Fuller House experience is like? Is that nightmare where you're paralyzed and just can't escape? Yeah, but it's it's when you don't know how to define it as a nightmare because you kind of had a good time and you're just ashamed to admit it. <laughs> And that's what it is. I am a little ashamed. I am ashamed because I was so like, this is horrible. And it is. It's so horrible. <laughs> but for some reason, I really liked it. I uh, don't know. You know I who would know. love Fuller House? Bruno. Bruno would be way into Fuller House. Oh, you're telling me that I'm like a psycho murderer? <laughs> Are you going to get me a lobster tie yes, for Christmas? that's right. Oh, my well, goodness. At least you're not alone, Danae, because they already renewed that show for another season. So there must be millions of people out there nostalgia There's, binging this thing. I know. And that's the thing is it was like a little binge. They're like 22 minutes long. And then it's just and it's something that I just had kind of going on. I wasn't yeah. like absorbed in it to where I, I had to watch it. But there were just these certain things that would develop about their characters that just kind of kept my attention. And so it kept me going. And well, there you go. I don't know if it was if it would be released once a week. I don't know that I would be as in, I don't know that I would have watched it all. It's it's junk food. It's a bag of potato chips. You know, it's not good for you. You know, there's nothing substantial about it, but you just have to eat another chip. You know? Yeah, it is like a bag of potato chips. That's the way to describe it. Actually, I, I think that's a good analogy, except this particular bag of chips is rancid. <laughs> Maybe stale. It's it's something that you went and found in the pantry that's, right. that's way too old. It's, it's a stale bag of potato it's a, chips. It's a stale bag of potato chips. And I ate the whole bag, you guys. <laughs> oh, I did it. Thing. So I don't know that I would recommend it, but if you've watched it, let me know. Maybe we can 
feel bad about it together. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. Find out more about Aaron and Danae at AaronandDanae.com. Huge thanks to today's guru, Jeremy from CinemaSins. Aw, shucks. Jeremy, you got anything you want to plug? Um, we have a new series on our channel called Movie Recipes that I'm really excited about where we partnered with a fine dining chef to make dishes inspired by movies. We've only done two episodes so far, and that's the only thing I would care to plug because it's just kind of a pet project for me, and I really You know, like it. you showed us when we were in town, you mm-hmm. showed us the first, I think the first episode was Little Mermaid, right? Yeah. Oh, well, so uh, that's the third one, but uh, we showed that one to you, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh. Anyways, so, so that Sneaky. one's not out. Sneaky. All right. So yeah, you just, you just spoiled it. Man. Um, I can bleep that out if you want me to. No, uh, don't care. <laughs> you're in trouble. I saw you tweeted about The Lion King. That's the one out right right now. It came out today, yeah. Okay, so the idea is that they go to the restaurant and they have fine dining inspired by these kind of movies. And just your reaction to some of this food is is so great. So, yeah, I'd highly recommend people check that out. It's good stuff. Thanks for the plug. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support starts at a buck a month. Comes with some fun perks. You can find out more info at patreon.com slash Danae. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, you can let us know. All feedback is welcome at AaronAndDanae.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.